Hey, good evening. What's going on, y'all? My name is Mariah Rose, and I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to this week's episode of Out Loud and Unfiltered. I'm super excited to be talking to you guys tonight. This is my second episode. Yay for me. Claps, cheers, and all of that jazz. And if you took the time to sit and listen to what I have to say in advance, thank you ever so much. You are a blessing. And I hope and I pray that what I have to say tonight is a blessing to you. Again, I'm super, super excited. So I want to start um, this episode off by um, saying, of course, that the topic is the heart of a chameleon. And I started thinking about this particular topic a few weeks before I posted my first episode for the podcast last week. And I began to think about a chameleon. I'm not a fan of reptiles. Like, I absolutely despise creepy crawly things stuff with more than two legs (laughs) things that are creepy crawly with two legs I can't do it I give up the ghost every time I see something like in moving to Texas I've been here since 2009 having to get used to like geckos and other creepy crawly reptilian type things it's just it is still an adjustment I don't think I'll ever get used to it but I am a work in progress so y'all keep me in prayer okay At any rate, um, we all know what a chameleon is. Um, And I mean, the textbook definition of a of a chameleon is a cold blooded reptile. They require temperature regulation. They change colors to attract mates to regulate their body temp or to tell intruders to stay away, like to warn them off when they feel like, you know, there's harm, I guess, near or something like that. And um They shed their skin. Now, I knew that snakes shed their skin. I guess it stands to reason and it would make sense that chameleons shed their skin also when they grow. But I learned that. Um, We, at least I did, I used to believe that all they did was change their colors based on whatever they were sitting on or whatever they were leaning up against. Like if they were in a pile of grass, they were green. Or if they were up against a tree, they would turn brown. But that isn't necessarily the case. They quickly changed their color as a way to signal um, their intentions to others of their kind and again to regulate their body temperature so it's like wow I learned something new Um, but for the sake of this particular episode I'm going to talk about people as chameleons and the people that I'm referring to are the people who change their opinions and their behaviors according to the situations in which they find themselves and I would bet my bottom dollar better yet I would bet my ultimate bucket list dream of seeing the Green Bay Packers go pack because I love the Packers even though they lost yesterday I'm a little bummed about that because they lost to the G- the, um they lost to the Detroit Lions and if I'm not mistaken the Lions had lost 13 games so that just tells me the Packers wasn't trying to win last night at any rate I digress but I would bet my lifetime my dream of seeing the Packers play at Lambeau Field that um that everyone everybody that's listening or you yourself as a person knows someone who who does this who who changes 
their behavior based on the situations they're in or the people that they're around. And I'll be honest with you, it's frustrating to me to deal with somebody who's like that, somebody who isn't consistent in their behavior or the way that they deal with people in situations. I mean, it literally boggles my mind. And I often wonder how people can deal with themselves. I would think it would be confusing, you know, from day to day. You never know who and what you're getting and what you'll have to deal with. I had to look myself in the mirror when I was thinking about this, though, because, again, I'm on the outside looking in and I talk a lot about how I don't care what people think about me. I talk a lot about how I'm coming into this new woman that God has called me to be, how I'm walking in my identity. And somewhere down the line, God had to remind me, yes, but you too had the heart of a chameleon. You wanted to fit in. You wanted to be innocuous. You wanted people not to see you, not to hear you, but you did not want to be an outcast. And so at some point in my life, more than one time, I would even say, I decided to do and or say whatever I had to do or say to fit in. And so I had to put myself in the shoes of the person who was being the chameleon. I had to go and revisit that time or those time periods in my life. And I had to say, man... That had to be uncomfortable, man, that had to be unsettling, man, that had to be hard because it can't be easy to try to be something and someone that you're not. I mean, I I would argue that 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 requires a very intense level of energy, a high degree of focus, and that it can be quite exhausting. But what if I told you? That we all at some point have had the heart of a chameleon, not just me. I mean, anybody who's listening to this at some point in your life, you've decided that I'm going to say whatever I need to say to keep the peace or I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep the attention, love and affection of this person in my life, parent, spouse, friend, whatever. Um, And I don't mean picking and choosing battles. When I say we'll do or say whatever we need to do to keep the peace, it is because there are certain times when the energy that you bring into an environment, just your, your, your attitude and demeanor, not necessarily bad, can be a disruption to the status quo. And that in and of itself makes people uncomfortable. Consider for a moment when you're you're growing up as a child. That's where it starts, by the way. You know, the insecurity, the self-doubt, the fear of not fitting in, all of that. It starts when you're you're young. So go back to a time in your mind's eye and think on the first time you wanted to blend in. Was it because you wanted some little girl or some little boy to like you? Was it because you wanted to fit in with a particular social group like some athletes or the drama team? Or maybe it was when you saw that you could only hold the attention of a parent or some other loved one if you showed them that you shared their ideals, their values, and their goals, even though you didn't want to. You wanted to keep the peace. You know, when I think about that, I think about all of these kids who go to college because They would be the first ones to go to college and their parents would be disappointed in it if they didn't. But college isn't for them and they don't want to. 
the the folks that have to keep the legacy going because this is the family name and this is what everybody that carries this family name does. This is how you're going to do it. And they're raised that way. I, I think about the folks who became doctors because everybody in the family is a doctor, but they didn't want to go to to medical school. They just went because they knew that if they didn't, there would be a problem and holidays would be awkward. I mean, it, this this could manifest in so many different ways and, and it could go in so many different directions. But my point is that each and every one of us on the planet at some point in time has had the heart of a chameleon and we have changed our stripes and our colors to show others what our intentions were. And and the killing part about it is that we've shown them what our intentions were based on how they how we thought they would see us, based on how we thought they would receive us. Perhaps we defaulted to this behavior because the power of our uniqueness frightened us into remaining dormant. I mean, the bottom line is that it happened. And at least for me, I have like so many different stories, so many different instances as I thought about this topic and I reflected on what a human chameleon does, how we behave, how we act in that particular um I guess, skin, so to speak, that we operate in. Um, even if the skin is involuntarily placed on us, we allow it. We don't We don't want to shake it up, so to speak, and we don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. So, so we stay in the place that is innocuous. We stay in the place that will help us to blend in with everything and everyone around us. And I honestly... I'd need more fingers and more toes since I was a child. I mean, even in adulthood, I think back to certain instances where I've chosen to just, okay, I'll go along with that. And it's not been what I wanted to do and it's not been comfortable and it's not been fun, but I did it anyway because I wanted to fit in. I remember, um, so my dad was in the military when I was a kid and we lived in Alaska for a few years. I moved there when I was five, Fort Wainwright to be specific. He was a cook and uh, we moved back to Alaska when I was about 10. So going into the fifth grade and disclaimer here, I ain't always been saved. So for anybody who's listening, who's super holy and has always like came from the womb full of the Holy Ghost, you might want to stop listening right now because that was not me. Um, I grew up in a household where church was a thing, but the lifestyle didn't line up with the word, at least not consistently. And so Anyway, living in Alaska, moving to St. Louis, moving back to St. Louis, because that's where I was born and raised. Um, I had sticky fingers. I was a fan of the five finger discount. <laughs> and if I had an opportunity to get the five finger discount, I participated in quite a number of um, thieving escapades, so to speak. And this one particular um night I was spending the weekend in the city with my dad's mom my grandmother and my aunt because I have an aunt who's about a month older than me long story not gonna get into it y'all know how grown folks have kids and so I had I have an aunt who is about a month older than me and um 
her friends were over and we decided we were just going to go hang out, rip and run, run the streets. Because in St. Louis, it's really easy to get along, um, get around. You have the Metrolink, you have the bus, you can just walk like this was before cell phones. I don't even, I don't even think pagers were a thing. I, I could be wrong. At any rate, we were ripping and running up and down the streets of the city of St. Louis. And my grandmother lived in a housing development out there. And probably could be considered the um the 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 projects of sorts. At any rate, we went on a spree. We were at the mall in the shopping departments, like department stores, and I didn't participate in the thievery of clothing because I was like, yeah, y'all gonna get busted. I stuck to the petty stuff. We were at the grocery store, uh, you know, lifting fingernail polish and lip gloss. And, and I, I think I stuffed a, a one pound bag of sunflower seeds in my purse or something. At any rate, my aunt and her friends, as we were getting ready to leave this grocery store, um, they saw security coming before I did and nobody alerted me. I'm this naive kid trying to fit in. Everybody breaks into a dead sprint with no warning. I stopped like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> like totally clueless and dumb. And I get busted. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting in the back office with some lady who worked for this grocery store chain, um, who's cataloging everything that she found on me. And she called my dad, had a conversation. Long story short, I got banned. And I know my dad wanted to beat the brakes off of me. I didn't get a whooping that night. Nobody even talked to me, really. Um, I just know that I did not get to go spend the night in the city with my aunt at my grandmother's house anymore after that. There was never a discussion. There was no talk about peer pressure. There was no talk about, you know, of course I knew that stealing was wrong. Um, And I'm not going to say I had a blast or a ball doing that. I'm going to say I did what everybody else was doing because I felt like that would keep the peace. And I felt like they would think I was cool. And they felt like I would, I felt like they would, see me as one of their, you know, peers and and I would fit in. Another um instance that comes to my mind and it is hilarious now cuz I can see it just like it was yesterday. I was in junior high. So this had to be like the 7th or the 8th grade. We're all outside in the schoolyard waiting for them to open the doors for us to get in in the morning. And um I don't know what gave me this wild hair up, up my backside to to do this, but I walked up to a group of people and I just started talking really loud and ignorant and I, I was using all of this slang and I was like, yeah, yo, and blah, blah, blah. And they looked at me as if I had grown three horns. It did not feel right behaving in that way like I was some kind of hip-hop person rapper person whatever it didn't feel right it felt awkward I'm sure it looked to them how I felt because I felt like a clear and utter just dunce at the time but I thought maybe I'll be cool if I sound and I look like what I think cool looks like. So this is before social media. This is before you have people telling you on social media that everything is roses and daisies in a garden. And 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 this is before filters. And this is this is still kind of boombox 
era and, you know, music. And, and so for whatever reason, I felt like that day I had to just have this moment. And I fell flat on my face in that moment because everybody was like, are you okay? Because something is not right. What are you doing? Why are you talking like that? What's wrong with you? I wanted to be like everybody else. And I felt like everybody else around me was so super cool. I felt like everybody else around me was so just with it. And they had it figured out and they had it all together. And that there was something that I was lacking or something that I was missing. And maybe if I acted like I thought they acted, I would capture whatever that was, or maybe they wouldn't notice what I didn't have. I remember it being a disaster. (laughs) I mean, the only thing that I succeeded in was getting more unwanted attention. I mean, I had lived in Alaska most of my childhood. Like I said, we moved there when I was five, moved back to St. Louis when I was 10. And I started getting into all this trouble trying to fit in with the wrong folks. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why do we do this to ourselves? I mean, I can think about examples in college. I can think about examples when I was in the military. But why do we do this to ourselves. I mean, and I bless God that there was my first interaction with social media and vlogging and capturing everything on camera to be posted for the world to see was MySpace. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for deliverance because had some of the stuff that I got myself off into before God found me and before I surrendered my life, I there is no telling what you might find. I don't even know if my MySpace page is still active. You know, I, and I don't even remember what my MySpace name was, <laughs> my username. Thank goodness to that, too. But why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we put ourselves through the torture? God has called us to be different, even if that means we offend the ones we love the most. And I mean, there's a a level of discomfort that can come with sticking out like a sore thumb and being an individual. I mean, as a matter of fact, one would think that that the easy way would be to assimilate. But you stifle the gifts that God gave you and you mute your voice when you do that. Essentially, you don't even have to say it out loud. What you do in a nonverbal way is you pack away everything unique and beautiful about you as a human being and you bury it and you tell God, I'm not going to show the world this. This was a mistake. And I don't know if it's because it makes us uncomfortable. I don't know if it's because, you know, we we don't want all eyes on us. I, I don't know why we put ourselves through this, but we do. We we tell God in our own nonverbal way that I'm not going to show the world this part of me, this side of me, this gift in me that I know is there. And that's the killing part. Like, maybe not all of your gifts are revealed to you all at one time, but you know what some of your gifts are. 
at different instances in your life, you get a glimpse or a glimmer or you feel this tug in your spirit that says that, that right there, that's what I want you to do. And I want everybody to see what you're doing because it's going to impact somebody else's life. So do that. And we shy away and we shrink from that. I'm guilty of it. Hand in the air right now as I'm recording this. I'm guilty of that. But isn't that painful? I mean, the discomfort of it all. Isn't that painful? When you by choice lurk in the shadows of society and you decide that you don't want to be seen or heard and you bury parts of yourself that were meant to be on display, you do some damage. I mean, God gave you a voice and you mute the voice he gave you when you do that. I would think it would be more difficult to be quiet when you feel the urge to speak up. It's like this internal struggle. Do I say something or do I not? What if what I say ticks somebody off? What if what I say hurts someone's feelings? And don't get me wrong. Delivery is everything. How you deliver what you have to say does matter because you could cut somebody down to the point that they would never recover or you can encourage someone to see things from a different perspective. You can you can start a war with the way that you say a thing or you can invite people to the table of conversation so that they have an opportunity to 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 put themselves in the position of someone else who doesn't think just necessarily the way that they do but we mute our voice on purpose like that doesn't even feel like a natural thing and and then we sometimes get upset or frustrated or angry when no one is hearing us or when we don't like, and I wonder if that, that frustration is more directed at ourselves than it is to the others. Cause how can you blame somebody for not seeing you as you are when you refuse to show them who you are? You know, and I mean, I go back to the, 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 the doctor who went to medical school because everybody in the family is a doctor, but maybe she wanted to be a tattoo artist full of piercings and tattoos and she wanted to do hair and nails and that's just frowned upon her. Maybe she wanted to be a dancer instead and or maybe she wanted to major in philosophy instead and they were like, you can't make money being a philosopher, so you're going to go to med school or not and I'm not going to pay for it if you're not going to major major in what I tell you to make. I mean, there are people who live this out. They walk this out daily. And the thing of it is, is we cause damage. And you can spend an entire lifetime second guessing who you are or what you're supposed to be doing. And then you find yourself asking the existential question, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? What am I supposed to be doing? I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I've done anything. I've accomplished anything. And it is because you have spent a lifetime being something that you're not trying to conform. And it's not one of the scriptures that I'm going to read tonight, but man, we're not supposed to conform to this world. We're not supposed to conform to societal views of who we're supposed, who they think we're supposed to be. We were never meant to fit in a box. We're not conformists. God didn't call us to conform. Like that word should 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 taste bitter coming off of the tongue. Conformity. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, like literal. Ugh. Conformity. But people do it every day and wonder why 
at some point in their life that that you know what while I'm thinking about it that's where midlife crises come from it's not necessarily that somebody is afraid of aging aging is inevitable we are not immortal death will come to us all in some form or fashion we have to leave this earth this this life this existence is temporary and we have a finite amount of time to spend it so i believe and this is just me conjecturing if that's the word. I believe that the midlife crisis originated in the mind of someone who realized they had spent their entire existence conforming, participating in whatever everyone else said they were supposed to participate in assimilating and maintaining the status quo. And at some point, their brain snapped. They had a nervous breakdown and they said, the heck with this. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I'm going to to, to dress and, and do my hair how I want to do my hair. Somebody had a nervous breakdown and they labeled it midlife crisis. And they they want us to believe that it's because they were afraid of aging. And I'm just like, nah, I don't know that that was it. We can't be afraid to shake up the status quo because that's exactly what God has called us to do. We're born into this world with a blank canvas, but it's filled with all of the tools and the gifts that he intended for us to use in the life, in this life, for the expansion of the kingdom and unto the honor and the glory of God. And I agree with the idea that if we were all the same, And if we all thought and behaved the same, this world would be one heck of a boring place. Like, think about that. We all have this diverse background. We have heritage. We have culture. We have ancestors who where maybe they were slaves and, and, and were born into slavery or they grew up during Jim Crow or maybe they were nomads or maybe they were Vikings and maybe they were Scottish or, you know, maybe they survived the Holocaust. We have this rich, rich heritage that makes us inherently different. But then you mix in God and you think about all of the gifts that he gave us. And you think about every talent that he gave us. If you're a singer, nobody can sing and hit those notes like you sing. That's why they have different genres of music. If you're an artist, that's why they have different mediums for you to use in different types of canvases. And they're discovering different ways to create art each and every day. If you're a writer, they have different kinds of books. You got horror and sci-fi. You got young adult. You got romance. You got autobiographies and biographies. You got how-to books. You got all this different stuff. Self-help this and self-help that. You have coaches, life coaches with different coaching styles. You have ministers and, and preachers who preach the word with passion, but they have different methods of delivery. None of that is possible when we are 
conform to the cares of this life and what society believes that we're supposed to do. None of that is possible if we are to be influencers. And I don't mean social media influencers advertising t-shirts and hair care products. That's not possible for us to influence and impact others to change, to see the Christ in us, to 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 expand the kingdom. Like outside of our comfort zone is is where God has called us to be. And we we bury what he gave us. We bury the very tools and, and talents and gifts that he gave us to do it and say, but God, I wasn't called to that. God, I'm not supposed to do that. That's uncomfortable. No, no, no. I'm okay. Chilling on the background, in the background, sitting in the back seat, chilling in the shadows. I'm okay being seen and not heard. Or as a matter of fact, I don't want to be seen or heard. So no, I'm not going to do that. We tell God no. And we say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is not working. This doesn't feel right. I'm supposed to do something else. Yeah, you are. That tug in your gut that pulling in your spirit that 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 thought that comes every once in a while when you're not paying attention and you're not overthinking that thought that comes and says you're supposed to do more i've called you to this i've called you to that why don't you try this why don't you try that those aren't accidents and yes we have to be prudent because the enemy speaks to us too but i believe i believe in those instances let me tell you something the devil is not going to tell you to get out the box and go do what God told you to do. He ain't going to do it. Now, if you get the big head, he might tell you to do some things that God has not told you to do outside of that box that will get you in trouble. If you get ahead of God, yes. But the enemy, he is not going to minister to you and tell you, step out of the box. Be who God called you to be. Um, No. As a matter of a fact, it is his mission to keep you from realizing what your full potential in God is supposed to be. It is his 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 sole priority to keep you from being effective in the kingdom. It is his mission. He is at the drawing board like Wiley e. Coyote when the Wiley e. Coyote was trying to get the road runner every episode of Looney Tunes. And he's trying to figure out ways to hinder you and block you from manifesting your true potential in God, period. He doesn't want you to come out the box. He wants you to fit in. He wants you to blend into the foliage. He wants you to be as green as the leaf you're standing next to. He wants you to blend in with the tree. So he's not going to talk to you and tell you to step out. He's not, he, he, he would maybe once you were out, say, yeah, go do this and that and I'll make you rich. I'll make you this and I'll make you that. That's what he does. He tempts you. But by and large, his goal is to keep you in a place of complacency in a box, fulfilling a purpose that was never yours to fulfill to begin with. And we have to break that. I think one of the pitfalls of Fitting in and becoming part of the status quo is that there's an innate urge to fight, to go against the grain. Because as as uncomfortable as sticking out and being different may seem, the thought of disappearing into oblivion and spending a lifetime doing and saying what others want you to do and say is exhausting and equally uncomfortable. Think about it for just a minute. Equally uncomfortable. You feel like you're in the wrong skin. You feel like you're doing 
something that you're not supposed to be doing, but you, you don't know, like maybe in the back of your mind, there's this faint whisper that there's something better than this. There's something bigger than this, that there's, there's this need for something different. And no, it's not a midlife crisis. No, you're not having a nervous breakdown. That just might be the spirit of God telling you, I have more for you to do. Because as comfortable as our box may seem, someone else needs to see you out of your box. Someone else is going. And that's the the fallacy, one of the fallacies of this country, I mean, of, of humanity in general. We seem to think that we're on this island alone, that we have to navigate this journey by ourselves. And the way my walk looks is is much different than the way your walk looks. But you don't have to navigate it alone. That's why the Bible talks about wise counsel. You have to have a good solid circle of people around you and you have to have a, um <coughs> excuse me a good a good um a, a sound sounding board a, a voice of reason. You have to have someone that can help point you in the right direction, right? But I mean, by and large, we weren't created to live in a box. We weren't created to fit in. We weren't created to look the same. I mean, my God, we have different, I mean, on the surface, in the natural, we have different skin colors. Some people are more left brain than they are right brain. I mean, some people are what they would consider to be born natural athletes and some people don't have an athletic bone in their body. We were designed to be different. I can remember in college when I discovered, actually, I discovered it in high school, but more so in college because I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. I was out of my mother's reach. My father was absent from my life. But I remember in college when I really discovered that one way to get the attention of the male species was to be as scantily clad as possible at a homecoming party or at the bar. And I'm just being honest. And I wasn't the most scandalous female on campus when it came to wearing, you know, garments for nighttime activities, so to speak. But when I went out to a party or went to the bar, I made sure all of my assets were accentuated in some way because I knew somebody was going to ask for my number. Or somebody was going to take me home with them. And I'm just being transparent. And I was uncomfortable the entire time. And I convinced myself that I didn't care. And I didn't address the self-esteem issues that I had. I didn't address the daddy issues that I had. I didn't address any of that. And I wanted to look like a lot of my girlfriends were looking when they went out. So we went to the boutiques and the stores where they sh- where where they sold the short dresses the revealing dresses the 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 5 and 6 inch heels and and i was on the dance floor shaking what my mama gave me in in a way that that was not godly because i wanted to fit in i remember having friends who would spend their weekends in their dorm room with a blender and a bunch of alcohol Mind you, I haven't had a drink since 2004. That's when God found me and I'm I'm never going to fall off the wagon again because God is God is worth so much more than me letting him down in that way. But I remember 
really just drinking because I wanted to fit in. I started drinking because I wanted to fit in. I went to college when I was like 17 and um, all of my friends were old enough and there was this bar on campus and we would go and all they would do was ask me, hey, what you want to drink? I didn't have to get up. I was wearing a bracelet that said I was underage. They would let me into the bar, but I had to wear the bracelet that said I was underage so I couldn't buy alcohol. But that doesn't mean I didn't have alcohol. I did it because it was cool. I did it because it was a thing to do. I did it because I fit in and I was uncomfortable the entire time. And I had, don't get me wrong, I had a blast. I had fun partying because I was free. Could nobody tell me what to do? I'm an adult. And I was making some pretty poor decisions as an adult at a very young age. All in the name of assimilation and fitting in. And it caused some scars that, you know, it took some time for me to recover from. Some wounds, I should say, that I still have the scars from. Took me some time to recover. It took me some time to get back to my God-given identity. And I, I feel like a lot of the time... When we ignore our individuality, when we take on that heart of a chameleon and we begin to blend in with our surroundings and our environments and we begin to change our behaviors based on the people and the situations that we find ourselves dealing with and in, we lose a piece of our originality. We lose. And it's not that we can't get it back, but we lose a small piece of who we were meant to be. And this is not a situation where you fake it till you make it. Or you do have a nervous breakdown or a midlife crisis because the faking has got to be exhausting. I would think that it takes more energy to be something you're not than to be who you are. God has called us to be who he called us to be, who we are, individual, unique, all of our idiosyncrasies. You know, I'm a nerd. I love to read. I love words. And it took forever for me to, to, to embrace. I love that I wear my hair different than most people wear it. You know, at the age that I am, oh, you do that? Yes. Yes, I do. Cause I'm cute and I love it. Go try it. You might like it. Do something somebody doesn't expect you to do. And I'm not talking about, you know, breaking the law. I just mean embracing that individual that God has created you to be with all of the gifts that you have. And to the person who doesn't think you have a gift, who doesn't think that you have anything different about you, I would encourage you to go back and look again, inquire of the Lord, ask a friend, what do you see about me that's different from anybody that you've ever come into contact with? Do some digging, do some excavating. What part of you that was different and unique did you bury when you were a child because a kid made fun of you or because your parent didn't pay attention to you when that part of you was on display? What part of you did you bury that you know good and daggum well came from God? I just, I don't know. I'm passionate about this. I don't remember you know, when it dawned on me that it was okay to be different. I don't remember when I began to actively not care what others thought about me as long as nothing, you know, nothing I was saying or doing was tainting my witness and my confession of faith as a believer. I do know that it was a process and by no stretch of the imagination did the revelation come to me overnight. Um, To be honest with you, it's been recent And it's been a step-by-step evolution coming into who I am and who I was called to be in God. 
And I am still learning. Because we talked about this last week. If you ever get to the point and the place where you feel like you've learned everything there is to learn in this life, you're in a dangerous spot. You're in a bad spot. Because this life is all about evolution. It's all about changing and and going through this sort of metamorphosis to become and manifest who God called you to be before the foundation of the world. I am still learning. The difference between me now and the person I was willing to be back then, because in order for you to assimilate, you have to be willing to lay down everything about you that makes you different in order to fit in. But the difference between the person that I am now and the person that I was willing to be back then is that I'm absolutely okay with going against the grain now. And I totally embrace all of my quirks, qualities, and my gifts. I'm still discovering. And and the funny part is when you when you decide that you want to embrace your uniqueness and you want to shed that heart that causes you to want to fit in, you get curious. Like you get so inquisitive. You're like, oh God, I you gave me that gift. I can do that. What else can I do? What else do you want me to do? Like there is this hunger that is birthed on the inside of you to discover every area of you that you do not know or every or rediscover every area of you that you buried, that you put in a box and you hid away in shame. Why would you be ashamed of what God has called you to be? Why would you be ashamed of what God has given you as far as gifts and talents are concerned? Someone is watching you. And it's not to be announced. They don't tell you they're watching you, but they're watching you. And they're watching you to figure out if it's okay for them to be different or if they have to fit in to appease you. And that's a dangerous spot to be in as well. Because are you influencing people to to swim up river with the rest of the salmon? Are are you are you influencing people to stay in boxes because that would help appease your own insecurity? Somebody's watching you and somebody needs to see that you are okay being different. Somebody is watching you and they need to see that it is okay to stick out like a sore thumb and be an individual. Somebody needs to know that they can see you and that and, and that you'll love them even if they are different and unique and their opinions don't match yours. This world is filled with so much hate already. <clears throat> it's filled with so much hate already. It's filled with so much rage and anger and division. And it's not just the difference of opinion. It's the difference in how people look. It's politics. It's am I vaccinated? Am I not now with COVID? It's, 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 is it okay to do this or that? Or is it not? It's I'm Baptist. I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic. I'm Methodist. I'm Episcopalian. It, 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 it is so divisive, divisive, however you say that word. And it doesn't have to be. God didn't call us to fit in anybody's box. And to be honest with you, what other people think about you is none of your business. What does God say about you? 
What does God say? What has he shown you? What is he trying to tell you? What is that still small voice speaking into your spirit right now as we speak? Excuse me, short aside. So the weather changed here in Texas last Sunday and we had had 75 degree, 80 degree weather and I thought I was going to be cute and go to church on the second on Sunday, New Year's, first Sunday and I had my duster, my jeans on. I didn't have a coat on. So I have this bit of a cough. No, I don't have the vid, (laughs) but I have this little bit of a cough. Because I was trying to be cute and I woke up Tuesday morning and sounded like Kermit the Frog. Just thank God I'm not recording this particular episode sounding like Kermit the Frog. I might sound a little nasally, but yeah, that's what I get. So I'm sorry if my coughing has interrupted the vibe. But at any rate, who told you that you belonged in a box and why did they tell you that? Jesus Christ didn't come to make folk comfortable. He didn't come to maintain the status quo. He didn't come to tell people what they wanted to hear to to maintain peace. Not in that way. He told the truth. He was an individual. He was different. He was matter-of-factly. He spoke his mind according to the word of God. He told the truth. And you could take the information he had and do with it which you would. You know, that's that's how he came. He didn't come to fit into any particular group. And that's the mindset that we have to take. That's the mindset that we have to embrace. That is the mindset that God gave us before the foundation of the world because everything that he poured into you, everything that he gave you, you were supposed to have. What happened was it got diluted. It got diluted by the cares of this world. It got diluted by the opinions of other people. It got diluted by whatever traumatic experiences you've had in this life that have caused you to believe that those things that make you unique and different are bad. That they're not okay. One of my spiritual mentors, I love her. She's my big sister in Christ. She always tells me that all God wants from me is my yes. And so that's what I'm going to tell you all that are listening tonight. All he wants is your yes. Yes to being different and eccentric. Yes to sticking out like a sore thumb and embracing everything he's placed on the inside of you because he doesn't make mistakes. Yes to refusing to stay in the shadows or stuffed into some box that you were never made to fit into. Someone out there needs to see you be you. And to be honest with you, no one who really loves you, no one who really cares about you is going to ask you to be what they want you to be anyway. Not unless what they want you to be is in line with what God has called you to be. So yeah, it can be a bit overwhelming at first and maybe even scary But what we were never meant to do was camouflage who we are for anything or for anyone. We were never meant to take on the heart of a chameleon. So you guys know I love music. I love all kinds of music. And I remember when I totally opened my mind to all kinds of music. Because growing up in St. Louis, growing up in certain neighborhoods, there's a certain kind of music you listen to. Certain kind of background. R&B, rap, 
there was no deviation from that. Not really. And I remember back to when I lived in Alaska, I used to listen to like ACDC and I used to listen to Nirvana and I used to listen to Aerosmith. And I remember loving those songs, Madonna being on, you know, MTV. I remember that. That changed in St. Louis. And then I rediscovered it. I rediscovered my love for all kinds of, now I'm, I don't do heavy metal and I never really was a fan of the hardcore rap. Um, and I, there are some country songs that I do like, but by and large, I am a lover of all things music because music is so expressive and it can touch you deep down in your heart at the right time in the right moment. And there's this Christian rapper. His name is Andy Minio. And he's got this song that I absolutely love because he is a rapper. <laughs> he's a rapper who usually is rapping what I kind of won't say out loud. I mean, I might say it out loud only because <laughs> I, I'm trying not to choose violence in 2022. But I mean, I love his music. So Andy Minio has this song called um, None of My Business. And it says, if you don't like me, that's your problem. And when I let it bother me, that's my problem. And I got enough problems. I got enough. I got the sauce. You got the salt. What I care what you think about me, because I don't think about you at all. And most people would, you know, shots fired, shots fired. He's trying to he is simply saying that the opinions of others aren't worth enough to disrupt what I got going on. Guys, this walk is so full of tests and trials on our own, by ourselves. We're navigating unfamiliar terrain. God is calling us into different seasons and transitions. We're being tested to see if what we learned in a previous test is still there. You know, you never know. But there there are things that come in this life that bring us enough. Why add the weight of assimilation to that? Why add the weight of trying to be something you're not because of the opinions of others to that? Why would you think that God would want you to live out the one life you get in a box, never to be seen, never to be heard, never to be noticed, never to be an influence of any kind? The crazy thing is that I think we think that we have to be famous to leave our mark on this world in order to matter or to be considered to be important, that we have to be a celebrity. And that's not true. And anyway, how can you leave your mark if you act like everyone else around you? Like, how would anyone know that that's your particular mark that you're leaving? I'll say it again. That yearning in your spirit, that tug in your gut, it's not there for no reason. And God never said that you had to be a celebrity by societal standards in order to have an impact. If you are here on this earth, you woke up today with breath in your body. You have purpose. You're meant to have an impact. You matter. Everything about you is lovable. 
I'll put an asterisk by that because some of y'all need to work on y'all attitudes. <laughs> but all of those in idiosyncratic things about you, the way that you're particular about certain things, the way that you love, maybe maybe you're a, 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 a Trekkie and you love Star Trek or Star Wars, or maybe you you do cosplay and you love to dress up as different characters, whatever it is about you that's different. You don't have to hide that. Not what God gave. You don't have to hide anything about you, to be honest with you, but you especially don't have to hide the things that God gave you. You don't have to hide the talent. Singing in the shower, because you don't want nobody to know you can sing, but you love to sing. Even if you sound bad, girl, you better sing. Boy, you better sing. I'm just saying, sing. Because God gave you the love of that thing for a reason. To anybody out there who's listening tonight and you feel like the world would be better off if you just stayed where you were, if you remembered your, in quotations, place in the world, that's the problem. That that right there is the problem. You don't have a place in the world the way the world says. You have a place in this world the way God says Because while we're in the world, we're not of it. And someone is watching you and you're meant to make your mark. I don't care if it's just one soul assigned to you. Someone is either going to come in contact with you, they've already been in contact with you, or you interact with them every day already. And they're watching and they want to know, is it okay for me to be different? Is it okay for me to be who I am? Is it okay? Will you still love me if I decide I want to be a a, a geologist and not a lawyer? Somebody wants to know that. So know that this this thing is a two-way street, this chameleon heart, because you're either influencing someone to be different or you're you're encouraging them to be different or you're, you're, you're Whether it is covert or overt, you're telling them, stay in your place, maintain the status quo, you belong in the box. And that's not God. It's absolutely not God. So my scriptures tonight, I have two of them. Matthew 5 and 14 says, you are the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. God didn't call us to be hidden. He didn't call us out to be lights set on hills up under some kind of umbrella that dims our light. You are meant to shine bright. You get one life. You get one shot. And I don't mean by the world's standards. By God's standards, you get one shot. And you don't want to miss that opportunity to see everything that God has for you manifest. And it might just start with you taking that first step out and being different, coming out of the box, doing the unorthodox. Maybe you never spoke up in Bible class because you were scared to ask questions, or maybe you had a response or an answer and you just didn't say anything because you didn't want anybody looking at you crazy in the event that you would say something wrong, but you know you knew the answer. I mean, we could go on for hours with that. But Matthew 5 and 14, you are the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. My second scripture is 1 Peter 2 and 9. 
but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something and from rejected to accepted. I love that. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference. There is a difference when we open up and we come out of that box and we decide to operate in what God has called us to and use the gifts that he's given us. We were meant to shine bright. And I bless and I thank God that I am still learning and discovering that every single day of my life. I hope that after tonight's talk, tonight's topic, you all feel the same. And I would encourage you to continue to seek out different areas of your life where you have placed yourself in a box that you need to come out of going forward so that everything about you that is lovely, that is beautiful, that God has placed in you can be put on display for the world to see. Because that's the only way that they'll get to see him in all of his glory. That's my time tonight. Again, my name is Mariah Rose. This was wonderful and amazing. I appreciate you for tuning in to Out Loud and Unfiltered. Next week on the 17th on the docket, we're going to talk about the liberation of change. Because there is a liberation that comes when we embrace change. So I hope that you'll join me next Monday, 7 p.m. As always, until next time, have a wonderful, blessed week. Good night.